0: gentlemen welcome to another special edition of the unknown studio this will be the second special edition we've ever done now many of you are going to recall that in the fall scott and i were invited to attend a first year uh, mass communications class at grant McEwan university the professor also the chair of journalism archie McLean, enjoyed our company so much that he invited us back this time to his second-year classroom, and we got to chat with some of the young, brilliant minds behind a fantastic new blog all about West Edmonton called West Edmonton Local. You can check out westedmontonlocal.ca when you have a chance. Right now, we're inviting you to listen to the conversation that Scott and I had with Archie and his class about a week ago, uh, live, at the West Campus of Grant McEwen University.
1: Yeah, Yeah, help yourself. Okay, folks. Okay, so... First things first, anyone who needs to refuel with caffeine and or Timbits and cookies should do so now because we, uh, we're gonna start the recording and then, uh, well, we'll probably, it's still probably okay to come up, but better to do it now than, than five minutes from now. So, um, I don't think Scott and Adam know this, but this is our last class of the year. You guys are our fun, special guests. We're the, we're the finale. For the, we're gonna bring the everyone down. Winter. You guys are the finale. Uh, finale. This is Adam Rosenhart. Adam, put up your hand. And Scott Bourgeois. Uh, Adam is the, what is your title, Adam?
0: Uh, my title is a digital strategist with an, uh, an advertising agency.
1: And Scott is a news reporter, reader, uh, yes. all-around news guy. I am a Chet, working yeah, journalist.
0: It's true.
1: Half of the duo is uh, involved in journalism, yes. The other half is involved in. Uh, I used to I'm be journalist. I'm used a recovering to, I'm journalist. Pretty, yes, yes <laughs> my apologies. And then he's
2: sold
0: out.
1: <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So today, so their podcast, uh, for those of you who are familiar with it, it's, it goes up online every month, every three weeks? Every two weeks. Two weeks, my apologies. So, and this one will be online soon. Uh... Uh, next, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Okay. So we're going to talk today about the West Edmonton Loco. This is essentially, it's live to tape more or less, right? You guys don't do a ton of posts. We're um, almost, production live. Yeah. Editing. Yeah, almost live.
0: Almost if, live. If anyone does accidentally say the D word, <laughs> it will be edited out. If, you're,
1: if your ears are sensitive to swearing, uh, we'll uh, try and keep it clean. would have dropped this class a long time I know yeah. uh, <laughs> They swear more than I do. But anyway, um, so we're going to talk about the project. Uh, there hopefully will be some room for one or some of you to uh, come up and chat about the project as well, or add your two cents about what was good about it or what was terrible, or, you know, what the future of it is, future of local media. Um, but uh, but otherwise, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the project. Hopefully it'll be kind of fun. So we did this in my mass communications class in the fall, and we had a, a lot of fun. It was a really good class. We talked about the future of news and hyper-local stuff and all kinds of things. So. Um, I'll turn it over to Adam and Scott who will kind of run the show and uh, we'll get started, I guess.
0: Shit. What do we do? We
1: didn't really prepare much.
0: We
2: never. That's okay.
1: No, this is, it's fly by the seat of your pants journalism it's, here. So, yeah, it's uh, funnier
0: when it's off the cuff, right? Because you can make a, a bigger ass of yourself, generally. I, it, looks, it must look funny that we're speaking with microphones uh, and yet our voices aren't amplified. This is only for our benefit. Not and not yours. at all for yours.
2: I apologize if I'm not getting across very well. I'm a little under the weather and my voice is being affected by it, but I have taken like eight kinds of cold medication this morning. So I'm
1: One thing basically sure high as well. There's a Okay. Uh, there's a air conditioning unit back there that's evil and goes twenty four hours a day. So, okay. um, so we are
2: competing with the air conditioner as well. Yes.
0: We can do it, man. We have the technology.
1: But anyone who can hear <laughs> could scooch up if they want to, so
0: so um, what I was really curious about, because the last time we were here, we talked to a first-year class, and you had only... The, the, the notion of West Ed Local seemed like a glimmer in your eye.
1: Uh, glimmer in my eye. Uh, what, what
0: was it that, w- that made it so that you were able to actually realize whatever vision it was that you had?
1: Uh, A combination of things. Uh, One, I knew I was going to be teaching an excellent bunch of students this term, so I figured if any group could pull it off, it was this group. I
0: just want to say I've never seen a professor (laughs) suck up to his students. That's impressive. That's very impressive. Uh,
1: Thanks. Uh, Anyway, we have a really good bunch of students, so I I had a feeling we'd be able to do this. Uh, It also just seemed like the most logical way to present a course. these days. I mean, the course has been taught in a number of different ways before, and one of them has just been having students do, you know, one or, or two kind of longer assignments that have heavy editing, and uh, the students spend a lot of time on them, and there's value in that, and those are good assignments, but at the same time, it doesn't really prepare students for the world of journalism today, which is much more fast-moving, which is much more fluid, um, and exists uh, for the in a large way online so this just made a lot of sense and so from the time I talked to you in the fall until classes well essentially until we launched the site on February 7th we spent just a lot of time uh, Lucas Timmons who teaches a news production course spent a great deal of time uh, he he did help with most of the technical side of things and uh, we managed to launch fairly shortly afterwards and this is fly by the unknown studio is fly by the CD or pants journalism that's to some degree what we've been doing all term long so uh, the students have been quite patient in in, in working together to make this site happen
0: uh can i just say it does not appear to be fly by the seat of your pants that's uh, the idea yeah it uh it, you know the level of quality is is certainly at least on par with what i'm seeing you know across the 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 mediascape in edmonton so so kudos to you guys i mean it's it's really quite excellent
1: that's good and that's credit to the students they i didn't write i only wrote one article i wrote like an intro thing at the very beginning, and, and from there the students have pitched essentially or not pitched, but come up with story ideas and written them and in a large way edited them. And so you know the site wouldn't the site is not really mine. I mean I set up or helped set up the skeleton, the bones, but then they've kind of filled it in.
0: So um, in your in your opinion, does this does this is this a demonstration of how easy journalism can be, or or how difficult it can be do to, to do it well?
1: How about do any students have an opinion? Was it easy to put together the site? <laughs> Claire says it was it ball was breaking every <laughs> single week.
0: <laughs> A- anything worth doing should be, I suppose. Um, now, did you did you
2: find the uh, the biggest challenge to be kind of design or actually finding content for the site?
1: Uh, design, I think, was actually mm-hmm. the biggest challenge because that was, well, partly that was the side of things that I helped set up and Lucas as well, and that was, I mean, a site has to look sort of professional when you land on it. It can't be like flashing sirens and um, well, blinking it, No, it, it can be. <laughs> it can just be. shouldn't be. Right, I guess so. I like those, you remember the old email logo, like AOL, and they'd have a little piece of paper going into an envelope? You don't want <laughs> to look like that. Uh, the So once but once the site looked, I mean, semi-professional, uh, then it was like the students filled it with content, and the West... And as especially as we've found out, there's a lot of things happening between the mall and uh, galleries on One Twenty Fourth, and you name it. There's a lot of stuff going on in this neighborhood, and so I don't think. I mean, it was ball-breaking every week, but <laughs> there was enough stuff to keep the site going, so that part wasn't, I don't think, the biggest challenge.
0: Now, what is your uh, what is your territory? What, you say West Edmonton, and we, we all know. We
1: define it fairly broadly. West okay. Edmonton West Edmonton is a state of mind. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, uh, no, it's... That is
0: exactly how you need to answer whenever a journalist <laughs> asks you that
1: question. The, roughly, it's from 124th Street to the Henday, south to the river. Uh, and as far north as uh, 111 Avenue. But we had stories that, you know, we covered uh, Yuki Goss and the snowball fight at Fort Edmonton Park, which isn't technically in our area. We covered uh, recently a social media event at Royal Mayfair Golf Club. We covered stuff that actually had nothing to do with the West End. So we, that's our core area, um, but we strayed from there whenever necessary. I mean, there is no, if you ask five people in Edmonton where the West End was, you'd probably get five different answers. There's no real set boundaries for it, so we kind of made our own.
0: And and what are you guys doing to uh, to find these stories? Because because uh, you know, speaking as uh, someone who has a semi credible podcast, uh, <laughs> it's it's tough to find content sometimes. Like especially when you're starting out. So what kind of strategies are you using to find this stuff?
1: Well, this is definitely one that's better answered by students, but I'll, I'll answer sort of in their stead that they each student covered a beat of some kind, and we were talking about how to do that better and differently, but each student covered a beat of some kind, and they went out at the beginning of term and introduced themselves to people, people in the area that they'd be covering. They made cold calls, they sent emails, they got out there and beat the bushes and just tried to find out what was going on. And there's nothing like a good deadline to sharpen the mind uh, when it comes to finding stories. So students, yeah, did just what, everything from calling people to checking message boards to you know surfing the internet, you name it, they came up with stuff. and. Um, and I think once, for the most part, I think once people got into it, got into covering their area, that how hard was it to find stories? I was going to say it was easy, but I'm sure it wasn't. How did people find finding story ideas? Someone yell something. There were times when it was easy and then
0: times when it was slow down. So. so times when it was easy and times when it was ball breaking, yeah. right? Is that, that, was the, that was the phrase that we used?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's probably like the way it is in journalism all the time. Sometimes stories land in your lap and sometimes you... Um, are almost killing yourself trying to find something to write about. Yeah. So it's good practice.
0: It gets better. Uh, if you've been around for a while, people start throwing content at you, and then you get to be picky. And that's when, I think, your your publication, your platform, or whatever, becomes more awesome.
1: Student journalists, and this is a... Uh, ongoing thing and there's no simple solution to it, but it's one thing when the journal calls or when the Globe and Mail calls or CBC calls, They, you know, people jump to attention when that call comes in. But for student journalists, they say, oh, Graham Q and Student writer will get somebody to call you, and then you, <laughs> you don't hear from them, or they ignore your calls, they don't return emails. That's natural, but it takes a certain amount of persistence, which our students have demonstrated. I can just <laughs> uh, imagine business
0: owners being like, uh, one of the West Edmonton locals called. <laughs> And uh, they wanted to know about the party we're having.
1: <laughs> yeah, and have Very you, I've never seen this newspaper. <laughs> yeah, have you, yeah. Seen it? you know, it's, uh, How many issues do you print? <laughs> We've had, you know, we were just talking about this today, though. We've had, as the term has gone on, I think there's still lots of people when reporters call and say I'm with the West Edmonton local who have no clue what we're talking about. But increasingly, oh. I think people were finding that people at least knew it, the site existed or had heard of it or had talked to another reporter. So, And that's only in, excuse me, about three months, so... Over time, I think that'll improve. Uh,
0: Social media is a love of mine. It's where I live. Uh, How has it helped to promote West Edmonton Local?
1: Um, We get roughly a third or about 30% of our traffic comes through Facebook to the site. Uh, Facebook alone gets 30%. That's Uh, amazing. It is. And Twitter gets, I forget the number, I want to say about 17% of our traffic is from Twitter.
0: I'd say that's also extremely high for Twitter. Yeah,
1: and we also get a pretty high percentage of uh, folks from Google as well, which isn't social media, but... Anyway, uh, so, those two alone, so they drive a ton of almost like half our traffic between those two sites only.
0: So uh, from Google, you're talking about like organic search. So people in Edmonton crave local news, and they're not getting it always from big media sources. You guys think, are filling a niche.
1: I think that's true. I mean, we a, a lot of people are seem to be really grateful for the coverage. They're really happy that someone's paying attention to these events. Like big news organizations can't cover... Uh, small events happening in every single community, but those events are important to people. They, they, people put time and energy into them. It's, it's a big deal for them in their community, uh, even if it's not a big deal for the metro area. So people really are happy to have a reporter there, someone who's interested in what they're doing, who can share it with the rest of the world. So we had, we found people were really happy that the site existed, that they could tell their stories, that there was a forum for this kind of thing. And that'll only get better. The longer it exists and the more people are familiar with what it is, that's, hopefully that'll improve. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, what about advertising? How how are you funding this thing? Is it is it the benefactors at Grant McEwan that are sort of helping you guys? Is there any plan to get into uh Funding it through some advertising just to see how that works to teach students. We have
1: a we have a Swiss bank account that has millions. (laughs) We're working on. (laughs) We
0: need we need West Edmonton Local to sponsor the podcast.
1: Clearly, yeah, Qaddafi (coughs) has been putting money into it lately (laughs) as he extracts money from. There was a
0: kind Nigerian prince. (laughs) That's
1: right. Yes, he answered this email and uh, and they put a lot of money into our Swiss account. No, we um right now it's the it's the large s of the university that these students have been paying tuition to support. So I don't think the university would call it large. Uh, No, they wouldn't. Uh no, so far, Grant floating in. I mean, our expenses really aren't that high. The, we're paying for web hosting, uh, domain registration. Um, but a lot of it isn't over and above what a normal class would cost. But then, and so advertising is kind of a long-term thing. We don't really have any plans for it right now. I'm sure we could sell some ads. Uh, there's been some interest in it already. Um, the question is... That, for now, that's not really a goal of the site. It's not really to make money. In the future, it would be nice if it was self-sustaining, and I suppose um, in time we may want to test more what the market is, I mean, market in terms of money for local news. I think we've proven that there's some demand for it. The question is how to pay for it. But, but right now, we're lucky that we don't have to worry about that. If you were starting a hyper-local news as a business, then that's all you'd be concerned about, but we have the luxury of not really needing to care so much about that right now.
0: I think the best businesses start because people are either trying to solve their own problems that's what Google was all about that's what Hotmail was all about Um, that's what The Unknown Studio, actually The Unknown Studio is more an ego project, it's a vanity project yeah it's. It has
2: nothing let's, to do with your honest, entertainment. We want to raise our own local profile. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we <laughs> uh, started it's more than this.
1: that. But that's. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> and that's how why it started. we started this one too. That better. It, it's reflected well in the Grant McEwen program to have the West Edmonton local exist. I mean, the students have been able to show people their work and show what they've learned and what they're doing and that kind of thing. So there's all always a bit of vanity.
0: But if you don't need advertising dollars, like the CBC, for example, I would suggest. Don't take advertising dollars. Like keep the product the way it is. Try and improve it, and uh, unless a crisis arises, don't bother. So with
1: far, it. that's been the strategy. I mean, there's no there's no need for it right now. And if we could bring in a hundred bucks, it's like well, a hundred bucks. It, like it, there's no real point in ruining or like changing the aesthetic <laughs> of the Ru- site. <laughs> ruining, ruining is know. the wrong word. Now we know how it. Archie feels about. There the is a certain amount. Actually, there is a certain amount of like. uh like, people are used to seeing ads on sites and on newspapers. When you open up a newspaper um, like the McEwen Journalist, which we published in the fall, that has no ads, it's, it, it's almost like you wonder where they are. So in time, it might make sense to have some ads. And in future, we might want to explore more, like, okay, how much money can this thing make? If we try to treat it like a business, can we make money? Can we pay people salaries? This kind of thing. But that's long in the future. For now, it's like, can we actually have this thing survive more than three months this has been a more pressing question.
0: I wonder if you could pay people's salaries or, like, on a per-story basis.
1: The biggest cost for startup news sites by far is labor. I mean, if you want people to do a like professional journalist or even like whatever you want to call them, if you want people to come in day to day after day and file things for you, you have to pay them. And, you know, it's nice to pay them more than 10 grand for a full-time job. You know, it's like it's expensive to pay good people. And so that if we were to ever try and become a full-time ongoing thing with paid labor, that would be the biggest challenge is just paying someone. Because the other costs, eh, we can get around them, but labor is a real Big costs,
0: and and you know we're seeing this all across the web actually because like the Huffington Post for example used um, volunteer writers to populate their site with content. As of yesterday, they're being sued, um, and I think most of that has to do with the fact that AOL acquired HuffPo for like what three hundred million dollars or something like that. So now everyone wants a piece of the pie.
1: And AOL wants to acquire the West Central Local for like two. We're holding out for a really? few more million. Damn, we
0: discussion. should have made our offer sooner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll buy you donuts. Oh, it, shit, you already have some.
1: It is It is true, though. That we're, I mean, we're lucky in the sense labor is the biggest cost, but there are 20 students in this class who are uh, practicing and filing stories. It's great. I mean, it's a. in that sense, it works for everybody. Students get to write stories, practice skills, all that kind of stuff. And the site gets new content all the time. And there's nothing like... Um, brand new stories coming in all the time, which is what we had essentially all through the term, is new stuff going up on the site. So even when not all of it is the most wonderful thing in the world, uh, it's fresh and it's new and it keeps people clicking on it. It's great. Um, and we're going to have at least one person, almost for sure, uh, sticking around for the summer. So we're going to be able to keep the site going in some form all through the summer.
0: And you'll, you will ju- just one writer? Is that what you mean?
1: That's or? the plan, yeah. Writer, editor kind of thing, yeah. Um,
0: and I know that it's a—it's a it's a a vehicle to teach students about journalism, but is there, you know, how Jeff and Sally from the Edmontonian, they invite people to contribute their own content. Is that an option for you yeah, guys? Yeah, in
1: fact, we wish, I mean, that's something we wish, I think we could have done more of. I certainly wish we could have done more. It's it's hard. I'm sure they found the same thing, but like, you can ask people, hey, send us your article, but like, it's kind of a vague uh, thing. Only the most motivated people will do that, but we have a Flickr pool, you know, we're hoping people will submit pictures, articles. We were talking today about It'd be nice to have a columnist at the site if we could find some from the community who want to be a regular columnist. This is the kind of thing that we obviously need more of, and especially well, these students. This is their last day, which is really sad. Um, but we're going to need we're going to need um, more content coming into the site, more fresh content. So anyone from the community who's interested, who's listening to this, who wants to write about it, we West End News is good. But even if it's not taking place in the West End, we could find a place for it in the site because we're not like we say, you know, state of mind. The
2: tiny little East End.
1: Section, yeah, we have a rivalry with the East End, <laughs> Lo- East Edmonton Local. We have <laughs> th- gang fights.
0: That'd be that would be awesome. I can just picture like you guys like snapping your way down an alley, and like, <laughs> fighting each other. Uh, so you've got your West Edmonton Local blog. Is there are there plans to build other properties?
1: For now, the plan is to strengthen what we've got. I mean, there's we did the best we could this term, but everybody here would admit that there's things we could do differently and better. So, I think for now, just stick with doing what we do and doing it as well as we can, and then we'll see from there. I'm, I, you know, you, I can imagine spin off things, but not yet. It was enough like work to get this one off the ground that uh, we'll stick to that for now. Or was there something in particular you were thinking?
0: No, I, I mean, I'm trying to think because I mean, you've got obviously the McEwen campus downtown. Um, Downtown's pretty well covered by other media outlets. Not to say that you shouldn't you know, expand into that area because maybe you could do a million times better, but uh, what I'm getting hub- hung up on right now is what would you call it? Uh, Downtown Edmonton local? We,
1: like, we could find a name. Yeah. That seems like this, a small problem. We could overcome the name thing. Yeah, maybe in time you could see, Like I know some universities like uh, Berkeley has three or even four hyper-local sites that their journalism school runs. Um that cover neighborhoods. Uh, other universities, City University of New York, had I think two that they or no, they were just running one. But um, th- some universities have more than one. You could see that over time. But right now, the journalism program is small. That we couldn't, we don't have the capacity to run more than one. I don't think, but maybe in time.
0: So were those other were those other schools inspirations for what you guys are doing?
1: For for me, they were. Yeah, I mean, the it's there's a lot of creative energy, uh, intelligent energy in a class of journalism students. And so, like, how do you? <clears throat> harness that output, you know, you can do it in any number of ways, but it makes the most sense to have a news website. And okay, so if you're having a news website, well, InterCamp already covers Grant McEwen, the institution, um, which we've done a bit of, but that's not our focus. So they already cover that. Uh, The Journal and iNews and everybody else covers Metro Edmonton. It's like, we don't need another one of those. Well, this is a, we're in the West End. There's, this neighbourhood exists. Um, You know, people want hyperlocal news from this area. It just kind of made sense, so...
0: Uh, and so you talked about some of the, the percentages of referring traffic. You don't have to share this, but uh, how popular is the blog in terms of sheer volume?
1: Uh, we, I, we were just talking about this today. I think we have, we've ha- we have ab- been averaging about 13,000 page views a month, give or take. Wow. Which we think that's, yeah, we're pretty that's happy impressive. With. Yeah, and, for and you've been around
0: since just three months. Yeah, that's, um, that's amazing. See, this is
1: validation. See where <laughs> anyway for, for that amount of time, that's pretty good. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, we've had our community engagement editor every week is out there trying to promote the site through Facebook and Twitter and you know on comments and talking to people. We've had reporters who've been out there networking with people, talking to people. We've done a pretty good job of search engine search engine optimization. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so people have been finding us that way. Like it's been pretty good for. Um, for a three-month-old project.
2: Now, obviously, this uh, this semester was kind of the the launch for this. Uh, do you imagine that it'll be a little easier going into
1: the the next class? I hope so. If only because if only because there's a site that exists to show people. Like you, you can ask them, but what? I don't think until the site actually got up and running, until it existed, I don't think. You know, I'm sure folks were skeptical like well what's it going to be like is it going to be the flashing siren you know really <laughs> ugly looking thing that you don't want to show to anybody um yeah so at least and so getting people to buy into the site when new students pick it up it's like okay this site exists you know we have a really good base of things to build on look at the great work these students did last year here's where we're ahead you know here's how we can make it even better that on its own gives people a way better starting point than just like hey i got this idea for this site like <laughs> what do you think you know that's that's harder to build from i mean we managed to do it but next year it'll be I would hope a little easier. Plus, it's we we have to uh, set up setting up the site on its own was just a lot of work. So
0: yeah, I can imagine. And you had the help of like the Edmonton Journal's technology superstar. Yes,
1: Lucas is a machine, and I mean, if the site and the design of the site is really credit to him, uh, Nicole Brasseth, um, who's on Twitter as Nicole Creates, I believe, uh, I designed the her. logo for the site. She's she's brilliant, and she did the logo and the graphics for the site, and I think it looks really cool. Like we we talked about. You know what the site should look like and the sort of themes of it, and she came up with it, and I just think it's brilliant. I couldn't have pictured anything better, actually. So Nicole, uh, anyone who's looking for graphic design work, Nicole Brasseth, <laughs> and Lucas uh, did a great job with the design. I'm trying to help <laughs> plug plug the people who are involved. in I think the he's
2: advertising together. on our show.
0: I'm okay with that. Okay, I'm okay. Thanks. With that. He'll give us money later, I think.
1: Yeah, under the table.
0: Yeah. Oh, excellent. I'll I'll be waiting. <laughs> Um so I want to ask you guys um cuz cuz I I know that I know that journalism is ball breaking it's it's painful at the best of times to to produce really excellent quality stuff so what are some of your um I guess uh best best experiences with West Edmonton local and wh- what are some of your worst experiences uh, what have you found most challenging, and what have you found most rewarding? Does anyone want to come up here and talk?
1: Somebody's got to. Come on. Trevor's sure. first, then Claire. We got Katrine. Here, I'll clear out of my seat first. I'm going to clear out of my seat. Yeah, that's cool, that's cool. That's so, cool. Right
0: so this is Trevor, and what do you do for uh, West Ed Local?
1: Uh, I'm the sports beat reporter.
3: Right
0: on. And, uh, and what have you found to be most challenging and most rewarding?
3: Most challenging first of all was just getting people to to kind of believe in the site to like it's easy to go up to somebody and say you're a freelance writer but when you have that West Edmonton local behind you you would kind of want to represent the site mm-hmm. and uh just getting people to believe that this was a legitimate site and to give me the access to kind of uh to be on the sidelines <coughs> Sorry I'm a little Scott. bit sick okay. So is Scott So am I yes <laughs> You guys are but, like brothers uh, yeah. <laughs> No, the no. most, the most rewarding part would just be once you got that access. Afterwards, I would share it with the organizers, and they all loved every story. And then they'd follow what everybody else was doing on top of it.
0: Right on. So uh, access, by access, you mean like to? Are we talking about the the sort of major league sports teams in town, or or just just sports events in general?
3: Well, when you're talking high school sports, there's a lot of there's a lot of parents involved in. There is just as much as there is professional sports. There's a lot of organization that goes on, and I don't want to get in the way. So uh, it was just nice that like I could get underneath the hoop with my wide-angle lens without the referee or the event organizer being like, "Get out of here! Yeah. You're not from the Journal. You're not from the Sun." So,
0: and and so that was that was what was challenging. And also rewarding, I
3: guess very very re- I got to sit side by side with the uh, one of the journal photographers for the uh, high school provincial basketball for the uh Yuki Goss, and there was a lot of media coverage there, so it was just fun just being beside those guys
0: cool, um so you guys aren't just doing the writing you're you're taking pictures, your video video you're managing the content uh, don't start a podcast, we don't need more competition <laughs> um, although actually th-
1: no, don't please cite. Uh, well, there are some podcast episodes on the side, although they're more short audio.
0: That's good. Now, are, are we? Uh, thanks, Trevor. It was great Let's, chatting with yeah,
1: Claire, do you, Claire. Why don't we? We'll bring up one more soon. Claire had her hand up too, so right.
0: sure. You, you're the one who actually used the ball-breaking yeah, phrase. This is be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't worry about censoring yourself. We don't. Good shit, it'd fuck. Be hard. Yeah, would
4: be a challenge. <laughs> I'd be talking
2: more, but again, I'm. My voice is kind of ratch because of my is
4: Right so. now, there's more space for me. Basically, so, yeah. <laughs>
0: It's your real moment. Fifties <laughs> of people will hear you. Um, Just
4: like West Edmondson local. <laughs> yeah.
0: Actually, your site, I am uh, sad to say, gets about uh, six times the traffic that ours does. But we're not really a website. We're a podcast. Our website
2: is basically there to... Uh,
0: Prove supplement we exist. Yeah, yeah, to
2: supplement <laughs> the, the podcast.
0: So. Now, Claire, is it? Yes. Okay, you said it was... A, You were the one who said it was ball breaking.
4: I may have okay. Now summarized it in that fashion.
0: So, so week to week, you might feel like you're beating your head against a wall.
4: It was challenging because you're trying to locate all of these super local stories, and a lot of it is just hearing, you know, oh, I heard this from someone else, and trying to track it back and do your fact checking and find the important characters. And I think that's what I loved about doing local news because none of your stories, you know, were really like huge stories so you could really focus on the characters and finding the story behind you know the event
2: i like the use of the word characters yeah um what <laughs> what specifically do you do for uh, for the site
4: um, I actually ran the education beat, so I feel like you. I didn't get many clicks either. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself sitting there when I would see sports getting, like, tweet after click, and I'd be like, well, no one think of the children. <laughs>
0: Apparently not. Nope. Unless no. those children are playing sports.
4: <laughs> but, <laughs> Which I did once. Oh, there you go.
2: But
0: education, <laughs> uh, I mean, audience numbers aside, there were some big stories this year in education around federal or the provincial budget. Mm. Um even Bill 44 reared its head every now and then in the, in, the, uh, in the legislature. So you had a lot of content to cover.
4: Oh, yeah. And that's why I chose the beat. It's because I knew there would be stories there. And I knew it was a beat that, sure, I would be doing education, but I wouldn't be doing the same story week to week. Mm-hmm. Like, I could go, I did the LGBTQ policy starting. Which was starting.
0: awesome of the public school board to pass. I'm biased enough that I will say that outright. Mm-hmm. And by the way, while we're recording this, it's uh, Wear Pink Day. And I see a few of you have. Uh, I neither Adam
2: nor I are wearing pink. Yeah. So.
4: It's a podcast; they can't tell. I mean, <laughs> oh yes, head
0: to toe in pink. I'm wearing pink face paint. <laughs> it's quite remarkable. Those wearing my Bret Hart costume. So, uh, not only were you covering, you know, the sort of hard news issues, but um, did you do any stories? I have to admit, I mean, I'm not reading it week to week, although I have subscribed to the RSS feed uh, as of two weeks ago. Um, are you covering things like? Uh, bullying and, and stuff like that, um, trying to bring it back I, home?
4: The difficult part was, because it is news, you have to wait for something to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, tell me about your bullying, you know, <laughs> but, you know. Well, I love bullying, yeah. it's And you so have to <laughs> approach it you know, softly as well, because it is kids and it is school, so they're always, you know, they're in protection mode. So you have to remember you're on the outside and you're trying to get them to let you in. Right. But and at the same time, like, through my LGBTQ story, that's where I touched the bullying because it's a policy set to stop like homosexual-based bullying. Mm-hmm. And so I got to do that.
0: You know? Now, Trevor talked about access and and sort of, I guess, legitimacy in a way, you know, proving that you are who you say you are. Um, was that a huge challenge for you covering that beat? It was that so
4: tough. At the beginning, I couldn't get anyone to call me. I When I was trying to reach out to the public school board, they didn't want anything to do with me. And I remember calling the communications person, over and over from every phone I could get my hands on, eventually using my dad's cell phone to get through to them because she just would not answer any of my calls. I don't know if she did that intentionally or what, but, and once I developed a rapport, it was easy and they would send me facts, which I loved because then I got to be picky and I got to be a bit snobby and go, no, this isn't good enough for my beat. (laughs) 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 But at the beginning, it was a challenge.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Well, thank you for chatting with us. Thank you. Great to have you up here. So one of the things that I'm hearing a lot is that um, building relationships is important.
2: Building relationships is incredibly important as a journalist, as a matter of fact. So, And one of the most challenging things you can do, even when you're starting out professionally, you're going to be interacting with a lot of media people who uh, are used to talking to journalists, but they don't know you. And it takes a little while to get a bit of a rapport so they're comfortable with you so that you know they know that you're not going to uh, come out and attack them or blind sign them with something. And it does take a while to kind of get that trust. So I can only imagine that starting from scratch without like uh, a media organization behind you that that has any sort of um, I want to say, like brand power behind it, would be
1: incredibly challenging.
2: So my hat is off to all of you for managing to do that and do it obviously very well.
1: The McHugh and Ty does help just because at least people are familiar with the journalism program here. They at least, well, I should say, they at least know that it exists, and so that that helped somewhat. But still, we're a different, slightly different entity. And, entity.
0: Was that was that a specific strategy? Like, was that something you? taught the class, you guys are going to need to build relationships with people, or is that just something that sort of naturally happened?
1: Both. I mean, we talked a lot about building community and around the site and getting people from the community interested and engaged and building relationships with sources and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's just kind of a natural thing Like you can't do journalism really without building relationships with somebody along the way. So, uh, so that was kind of a natural outgrowth as well.
0: Awesome. Now...
1: There's a, there's a,
2: you, you kind of uh, mentioned InterCamp. Um, do many of you guys also write for InterCamp? Most of, some show, of,
0: show of hands.
2: About half-ish of, of them. Do you, do you find the experience to be very different writing for like a physical newspaper and writing for an internet kind of bloggy newspaper? There's some, there's some nodding. Does
0: anyone want to come up here and tell us about that a little bit?
2: Someone's being voluntold. Oh, there we go.
0: Yeah, come on Pam come is going to come, come up and talk. Okay.
2: Hi.
5: Hi. <laughs> so, your name is? My name's Pam.
0: Pam? Yeah. <laughs> so you write for, is it still called Endercamp? Uh, they it,
5: actually just released a new name. It's going to be called The Griff starting next year, oh. which is kind of a play off the McEwen Griffins, but I guess it was also like slang for like a news tip. Back in like the late like eighteen hundreds or something like that. That's what it said on <laughs> the Word front page play. or anything wow. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I <Wow>. don't know. <laughs>
0: Depression era lingo. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So so what are some of the uh, what are some of the differences between writing for the Griff uh, and writing for West Ed Local?
5: Um, well, for, I think the the biggest thing is uh, when you're writing for West Edmonton Local, um, you're searchable, right? Um, I guess InterCamp does have a website online, um, but I think we, our website, West Edmonton Local, definitely gets more traffic than that. So especially for, like, new budding journalists like ourselves, when someone types in your name, West Edmonton Local will come up, like, hopefully, uh, like the top couple of hits. So I think that's that's the biggest thing. And um, you definitely get a lot more uh, freedom with, like, um, multimedia content and stuff like that. So that's also, like, when people search their name, it's not just a story that comes up, but they might see, like, a video that you did or a podcast or a photo slideshow or something like that. So I think that's the biggest thing.
2: If given your choice, if you had your, your pick of a, of a job... After you're out of this program, would you prefer to work on a an actual physical, honest-to-God paper newspaper? <laughs> or would you prefer to work on something online, based on your experience?
0: Or would you prefer not to answer the question?
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, no. Which, which
2: did you find to be more fulfilling is kind of where I'm going.
5: Um, I actually kind of liked, yeah, writing for the website, just in the sense that you did get to be a little more creative, right? Because... Um, we are artists in a sense, maybe we're not as artistic as everyone else on this campus, but um, we still get the chance to be creative in the sense that, yeah, we do get to take photos, we do get, get to produce video and podcasts and stuff like that. So I really like that part of being a journalist and not just writing a story. And um, I find, yeah, writing on, like writing for online definitely helps with like, tightening up your writing because people don't want to read like, like thousands and thousands of words online. So it really, yeah, it tightens up your writing a lot. And um, I think, yeah, I would definitely... I want to write for a web... Or a publication that at least has a website that is attached to it, right? And that's
0: not just a, r- a repurposed newspaper? Yeah. Because when we were back six years ago at the Gateway, sort of when the web started to become the place people went for news, all we were doing was republishing our stories. Mm-hmm. There was no multimedia, there was no transmedia, nothing. So, um, yeah, so it's it's a very different landscape. No, it is. Do you like the... Um, do you feel like you're being entrepreneurial? Do you like that that sort of you know, let's let's get it done. This is our thing aspect to it?
5: Mhm. No, I I definitely at first it's it's hard to it's weird being searchable online, but um while I was doing this it was really like, okay, well, I'm going to do this as best as I can because this is really about um adding to my portfolio, right? So, I didn't want to just like you know, do it for the sake of, oh, I have an assignment for school. I want to complete it. It was like, I, I actually want to put some real effort into this. So when people actually do look up my name, they'll see something worthwhile. And hopefully that would help getting a job <laughs> down the line. So Theoretically. Theoretically.
0: Now, Pam, do you frequently Google yourself?
5: Um, I, I, I've done it. <laughs> now, <laughs> Who hasn't done it? Here's the
0: thing. Every
2: journalist has Googled their name at some point. <laughs> I'm certain everyone in this
0: room I th- has. Thank you. I have a Google <laughs> alert set up for my own name. Do you <laughs> actually? Yes. Which which is good in some ways, but then I've got a I've got a cousin who's a communications professional in Vancouver and two other cousins who are chiropractors in California. So quite often Rosenhart, not not a very common search term. I don't imagine a lot of people are looking for that. I find out about what they're doing, and it's always more interesting <laughs> <laughs> than what I'm doing.
5: I never yeah. thought about doing that.
0: Well, now, now I you're imagine you're, you're all going to set up Google <laughs> Alerts for yourselves. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with us, yeah, Pam. Thank you. Archie, do you Google yourself? No comment. <laughs> yes, I mean on the computer yes of
1: <laughs> course right Okay. I'm, I'm going to take that segue and ask you guys a question uh what what do you think about the demand for local news? do you think you guys obviously have this podcast which you call hyper local or local anyway uh do you think there's demand for this kind of stuff
2: yes okay, absolutely it's a simple answer, <laughs> but yeah um I think Why?
0: That, i I think that uh you know, the news industry over the last ten years was has been sort of decimated. The economy didn't help. Advertisers pulling their ads was terrible uh, for two reasons. One because it you know, didn't allow news organizations to to pay their writers. And two, um, speaking as a pro- advertising professional, advertising is the last thing you should cut when the economy tanks, but it's the easiest thing to cut. so that's why people do it. Um, but, I think that because a lot of stuff started coming off the news wires, AP and CP and stuff like that, there wasn't enough coverage of the local stuff. And at the end of the day, yes, we all care about who becomes the prime minister. And yes, of course, we want to know what next stupid bill the Alberta government's going to try to pass. But I also want to know what's going on down the street. and And those stories aren't being told the way they should, as stories. As narratives. That's what's missing from hyper-local journalism. Um, Claire said she referred to a lot of the the people in the stories as characters. They are characters. They're characters in the stories that we tell and and being you know a verbal species storytelling is never gonna stop being important and 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 making it personal for people. I mean this is why you know, newspapers take national stories and try and add a local flavor to it because that's what people are interested in reading about. So absolutely, hyperlocal is the way of the future. Um, It might not be a way to make a pile of money, but it's it's certainly content that people are craving.
2: I was once uh, told that people care about the news uh, in as far as three things primarily. How does it affect me? How does it affect my wallet? And how does it affect my children? And if you can... If you have a hook in your story that answers one of those three questions, someone's going to read it. Because that makes it feel like it affects them or kind of their purview. Whereas if you're telling a story that really has nothing to do with them, they might skim it, but it's not really of interest to them, right? I
1: always use the analogy, especially when it comes to crime reporting, like the journal and other, like, outlets that cover the metro area have a pretty high threshold for what they actually cover in terms of crime. For example, a non-lethal stabbing, we tend not to write about that at the journal because you'd be surprised at how many non-fatal stabbings there are on any that given weekend. That is the worst
0: thing I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, I know it is.
1: But But seriously, if you were trying to report all of them, like you'd spend all of your time reporting You'd have the stabbing section. Exactly. However, okay, so...
0: Stabbing plus in the Edmonton Journal? That's
1: actually coming soon. Uh, <laughs> no, the but it... But so if a stabbing happens somewhere in the metro area and you hear about it, you think you might not care that much. Meh, you know, this happens quite a bit every weekend. Uh, But if some guy's stabbed outside your house or your apartment or on your block, suddenly it's like, oh, my God, a guy was stabbed outside my apartment. What happened? Uh, Is he okay? Uh, Is this something I should be worried about? Are the cops on it? You know, suddenly when it happens in your backyard, it really matters. And so, you know, when it's not, it's not a national story, but it's certainly a story for the people who live there who care about the neighborhood. So that's... That's where I see there being quite a bit of value, but they're, the same analogy holds for any other kind of coverage.
0: Now, the question to me is whether or not um, the the hyperlocal phenomenon is something that is somewhat unique to Edmonton, because we've got we've got a swath of blogs, we have some podcasts, and pretty soon the Edmontonian is going to have its own television show. Um, they went and pitched Shaw and said, "We want to do a TV show. It's going to be about." The stuff that takes place in Edmonton that's not really being covered by the major media outlets, and they bit. To,
1: to me, the question, like, I think it's there's a demand for this. Like, I, I don't think there's any question about demand. I think the success of, the, of your show and the Edmontonian and things like that uh, show that. The question, is, the question is like, is there demand? As in market demand? Will people? Can you make money doing this? Can exactly. Pay for yeah. it. I mean, the, um, I don't know. I mean, certainly this site doesn't make any money, and I think even if we tried to, we could make some, but not enough to employ somebody full-time, for example. So I'm curious about how people take that demand and turn it into jobs and turn it into, you know, jobs for young journalists um, and that sort of thing. So I, I, that's, that is, a, to me, a bigger question. Because I think the demand thing is obvious. Like, I think that's real. It's there. Um, it's the next step.
0: I don't think that paying uh, writers is outside the realm of possibility. I think employing them might be a stretch maybe so i read an article i can't remember where so i'm not citing myself properly but it it was basically titled the future of media is in the freelancer and we're finding this a lot even in the creative industry where we get a lot of our directors or copywriters coming in who are freelancers but they don't want to work for us full time they like that they can sort of float and go to other companies or publications and and pitch their stories and sort of uh, maintain their own lifestyle. So it's something to consider the future of media being the, a freelancer's uh, medium.
1: Yeah, and then the the question then for individual journalists is how do I provide something of value to these sites that I'm working for? And so these this is the big challenge. Um, but I feel like demand is there. You know, there's there are people who want this kind of news. It's just, yeah, what's the next step? And you're, I think you're right. Freelancing is probably more realistic at this point. I think in the future, we may be able to pay for articles, but I don't think in the future we'll be able to pay somebody full time. Yeah, I
0: don't. I doubt it. Uh, but you know what's interesting to me is that the the, the advertising model online, which has been basically uh, display advertising or AdWords, which you can make a little bit of dough off of, um, is still totally viable. You know, companies still go for it because there's some cachet to seeing their brand on the Edmonton Journal's website, for example. So um, I'm not convinced that. The market will change dramatically until the format of advertising changes. And one of the things that we've had success with is we don't call, we don't really call the people who advertise on our show advertisers. We call them sponsors because we had a very specific goal in mind when we took them on. Uh, for example, Guru Digital Arts College and the Traveling Tickle Trunk pay us uh, for mentions on the show and stuff. And all of that was designed to acquire this equipment so that Scott and I could do this, this wherever we're doing we right to. now yeah exactly so um i think that those those partnerships it, it, you mentioned building community that's what it's about it's about building community on the on the on this storytelling side and it's about doing the same thing on the business side
1: yeah and that's why we might i mean that's why we might take on some some advertisers partly as a community building exercise i mean I, i'd like b- the business community to feel like they have some investment some interest in the success of this as well so if we if we do take on advertisers i think it will be in exactly that capacity cool yeah
0: do you have anything else?
1: Not off the top of my head. No. Well, thanks, guys, for coming in. We really appreciate it. And, no problem. Uh, we've been having fun talking about the site this term quite a bit. So uh, we're well, finishing it off strong. Really,
0: really, really <laughs> impressed with it, guys. Like you've done, you've taken it and really ran with it. It's a very high quality and uh, our hats, if we were wearing them, would go <laughs> off to you. So Thanks, guys. Great work. After chatting with the class about their West Edmonton local experiences, some of which were, as you can hear, pretty phenomenal and eye-opening for these young media minds, uh, Scott and I took a few questions from the class about our experiences in new media and journalism, and we're going to share that Q&A with you right now.
1: Does anyone, uh, if we want, do you guys have questions for Adam and Scott? Scott works for iNews 880. Uh, Adam is a former gateway reporter, now advertising guy who spends a lot of time on social media. Um, Just is there anything you got, any questions you had for these folks uh, about future media, about social media, about anything like that that we didn't cover just now? Any questions? (coughs) Awkward silence. (laughs) Eric has a question. He likes podcasting.
0: This is the this so the question was how do how do I how does Eric is that his name? Eric, yes. Thanks Eric start a podcast and make it financially viable.
1: Uh, <clears throat> if you guys knew the answer
0: uh, well we've we've done it.
2: Yes. I mean we I mean we don't really make money doing this but we make enough that we can buy shiny new equipment for ourselves and occasionally our have overhead, beer. Yeah. And occasionally have beer together. Yes. Um that's not really answering the question, though, because he wants to know how we basically did it. Okay.
0: Uh, the answer is pretend you're a bigger deal than you are. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good start. Um, also, and I mean, this was just touched on,
2: build a relationship with, uh, find, find the kind of people who, wait, it's going to, It's coming. Uh, Find the kind of people who uh, can benefit from the content that you're providing. Build a relationship with them, and they will want to see you succeed, and they will help you succeed. And that's basically kind of been our uh, situation.
0: Yeah, the the advertisers that we have, um, they help us out a lot. Actually, the Traveling Tickle Trunk, which is an adult sex store. as opposed to a child sex <laughs> store. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: w- I really hope you guys aren't sponsored by the child <laughs> yeah, sex store. <laughs> no. no.
0: so, sorry, an adult toy store is what they're called. Yes. And um, they do a segment for our show. So they give us money, and we're very upfront about that. But we invited them to do a, a once-a-month segment on our show, which is about new products or promotions they're doing and stuff like that. So we try to make it so that it's something that's beneficial to us, makes it easier for us to do our jobs in terms of gathering content and and then provides a value to the advertiser. Um, what I meant by pretending you're a big, bigger deal deal than you are is behave the way you want to be perceived so like I'll go out into the world and I, I, we write contracts for advertisers and I make I sit down with them I buy them a drink and we sign these things and it seems like it's a probably a bigger deal than it is I mean our company won't make more than five thousand dollars in 2011. Um, and that's fine, because it covers our expenses. But th- set some goals for yourself. Think about, obviously, the structure of your show, um, whether or not you can make money off of it, and who might work for you as advertisers. And then building your audience? Man, that's a whole other question. Yeah. Does that help? Okay. Right on.
1: Okay. Hey, success. Yay. <laughs> One for us. How do you guys find local content?
0: Well, uh, at first, it was... It, it was all about relationships. It was about reaching out into our networks and, and trying to find stories that were interesting.
2: Our first probably six guests were literally just our friends. Hey, you do something neat. Come and be on our show. Yeah. And one of them just happened to be like a journalist and one of them happened to be a city councillor. Yeah. And so we, it, it seemed like we were getting high profile guests when it was really just, you know, The guy we went to school with, who happens to now do something awesome, yeah. And from that, we've managed to. uh,
0: It's like it's like standing on the shoulders of giants in a way, because so we know we we knew as a city councilor, we had him on the show, um, that helped to raise our profile a little bit. Um, th- by virtue of my work um, occasionally we work with city departments so we got a little bit more access and eventually we wound up interviewing the mayor which was pretty cool I mean he's not an inaccessible guy he's, he's open to this sort of thing but that was a big deal for us and it was all through building those relationships like there's no other way to do it do you know so and so it and tr- it's a tremendous amount of work like contacting people and saying Look, we want to do a show on the federal election who do we know that we can bring in
2: we, uh, we also do a lot of schmoozing. Um, we will get we will get invited to events and we will go and we will hand out business cards and talk to people and oftentimes invite them to be on the show if yeah. they're doing something awesome.
0: And we don't always feel like schmoozing either. No. It's, it's exhausting.
2: There are times when it's like, I've been at work for eight hours, I got home at noon because I wake up very early, I had a short nap and I'm already off to go and schmooze with people mm-hmm. and I am not exactly happy to be at the event that I'm at because it's boring as hell, <laughs> um actually well, we haven't been that many no events. there's there's been like maybe one, yeah, I can think of that. It was really like, I know two people here it's, <laughs> it's not yeah, it's
0: almost not that it's boring. <clears> it's that like uh, I was invited by one person and there are seventy people here I don't know, and you know it's 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 difficult to put your to go up to someone and be like, "I don't know you, uh, what the hell do you do <laughs> you know you you seem interesting." And that that's not the way to do it, by
2: but but it is
1: valuable to do, and that's why we do it, but so. y- you guys are building something, so what's your plan five years out or ten years do you how are you just is this i'm do you want this to be bigger do you want to make a living off of this or like, I mean what's the goal
0: We've mused that it would be great to get Scott actually doing this full time Th- that would be awesome. I don't know if that's achievable it might be but but that's certainly one of our, let's say, lofty goals. We'll, we'll
2: call it a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, secondarily, I want to be awarded the Order of Canada. That's World kind of domination. his ultimate goal. <laughs> that's that's a little more lofty. But but you know, I mean, w- we're really here to to tell Edmonton stories that aren't being told, um, and and in some way to amuse ourselves. Now, the, the nice thing about that is that there are some people out there that similar to us that are amused by the same things that we are so it's fun in that way but um you know we've we've been at this for almost two years and uh two years in june actually yep. and um i feel like we're we've got a, we've developed a solid base where do we go from here we're going to start doing more video production so we want to do and most of that will be not hard news stuff but more like weird episodes of stuff you know so i want to do a series of episodes called uh abusive pregnant wife with uh, a friend of mine who's a folk singer who's beautiful, and I just want to stuff a pillow under her shirt and have her be a, a bitch to some dude who's allegedly her husband over ridiculous In things. In public? No, no. Oh. It'd just be like, you know, uh, abusive pregnant wife and the dishwasher. Uh, so her husband failed to empty the dishwasher. She goes up to her husband and says, Are you trying to kill our baby? <laughs> Because I have a friend right now who's pregnant, and she is completely irrational, and she's totally upfront about it. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> and so I just, I, that, to me, that was funny. I want to I wanna turn that into something that I want to see if people will consume it at the end of the day. It's totally an experiment, and we're lucky that we're able to do it.
1: I like it. Any other questions for these two fine gentlemen? <laughs> I can knife this guy in the alley it's yeah. no big deal I'm pretty uh,
5: kind of
0: I think the good news for you guys is that most students don't know how to network. Y- you know, I mean, you're sort of told in business school that you should do it, and then they sort of throw you in out of the frying pan and into the fire, and, and you go to these sort of industry events, and you can always tell who the students are because they're clustered in a group talking to each other, and they look terrified. Um, <laughs> so what <are> your tips? <laughs> networking tips, do you have any?
2: Well, the first, the first thing that you need to do as a journalist coming in at the ground floor right now is get into the social media, like head first. If you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. If you're not on Facebook, get on Facebook. We in the newsroom uh, get tons of material off of, off of social media because people are talking and they're talking about what's interesting to them. And we can find out that, oh, something's happened over here. We should make a call about that. Or, oh, somebody's telling us that something's happened over here. We should make a call about that. And it doesn't always pan out. but it's an invaluable news gathering tip, and it actually uh, staggers me how many working journalists now don't give it the time of day because they don't grasp it, and that I am I am astonished that they don't because it has proven to be so valuable to those of us who are using it. So, um, so that's step one: is um, don't be afraid to use the technology. In to, fact, to, in get fact to, to reach out to
0: people, it's a mandatory. You have to be there if you want to. If if you want to move forward in this industry and you hate Twitter, you're gonna have a real hard time because Twitter being on Twitter is a competitive advantage. At this point, it's how most journalists start their news gathering in the morning. It's they they wait for either tips to come in or they do a little bit of reading or they're on Twitter and, and seeing what people are talking about. So that's a mandatory to me, absolutely. Um, you know, figure out what kind of content you want to cover. Try and find out where events are taking place and go to those events and you know introduce yourself to people have a goal for who you want to talk to when i go to some of some of these events not all of them but um, and i know for example that we went to this event that guru digital arts college put on a few weeks ago and yeah they're a sponsor but we you know we still we treat we don't treat them we don't we don't try to we don't abuse that we we don't assume that we can go into a room and just chat with whoever we want because it's a guru event. Our goal that day was to speak with Nat Jones, who's this phenomenal illustrator. He's drawn Spawn cartoons. He worked on Twenty Eight Weeks Later, um, and uh, we wanted to talk to him about this new program they're developing. So yeah, we went there to have some drinks to chat with some industry types, and then Scott went to work and was like, "I need to gather some stories here." So so have an idea of why you're going to events. Don't go to every single one because it's exhausting and untenable. Um, but really, you just have to go out there and sometimes you'll feel like you're behaving like a, like you're irritating to people and you might be, but try not to be, you know. Uh, I, always, I always approach it with the soft sell approach, you know. Hey, I'm Adam. I, I have a local podcast. Would love to chat with you if you have a moment tonight. If not, here's my card. Um, enjoy the evening. You know, those kinds of things.
1: There's a certain amount of journalism generally that involves doing things that are scary. Uh, And so networking is... Scary for a lot of journalists. It doesn't come naturally to everybody, um, myself included. But it is one of those things that you know. How many times have you sat in front of a phone number? You got to make a cold call. You're looking at the phone number. You think, I don't want to call this person. I really don't want to call this person. <laughs> and the then worst, you do anyway because you have yeah. to. And so networking is a bit the same. It's like the worst oh, I feel is pretty awkward
2: cold here, calling the victim of a crime Ugh. or a family member of the victim of a crime. And you will have to do it if you're a journalist working in. Uh, in the industry at some point, you will have to make that call. And it is awful, because you don't want to, you don't want to bother this person, but you have to. And and I, yeah, that's the the one part of the job I hate the most, is bothering people who are suffering. So, and I can, I'll just, I'll flat out say that, I'll admit that,
1: but you do it anyway. I do. Yeah, you have
2: to, right, it's your job. The first time you do anything uh, in journalism will be scary as well. Uh, the first time I went to a media scrum with the premier, I was like, I'm dressed in a hoodie and I have a rock band t-shirt on. And I'm standing in front of the premier with all these guys in suits and TV cameras. I look like an idiot. Still did it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's always a learning experience and never tell anyone you can't do something they ask you to do. Because you won't know until you try. Mm-hmm. <coughs>
1: that seems like good advice. Yeah. Okay, um,
4: I guess I like. I want to write about things How can you do this while still like, I guess keeping a your reputation and building like a fan base big enough for it to is there
2: a way to do that? Absolutely. If there's if there's a niche for it, there's people who will consume it. So and then right there you've got your I'm gonna say fan base. Yeah. Your 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 consumers at the very least of what you're putting out there. Um
1: I, don't know I what would else say to don't it. limit yourself too to, to Edmonton. Like depending on how niche niche you want to go, like think think worldwide, think North America, you know. Um, because you know if it's one tiny little subculture, there might be X number of people in Edmonton involved. Maybe there's 2,000, but that's not enough really to support uh, robust journalism. It may be. depends what the what it is, I guess. But but then suddenly if you're na- if you're Canada wide or if you're North America wide or you're aiming for a global audience, then sky's the limit, if you, there, there's an incredible, for whatever subculture it is, there's uh, there's people all over the world doing it. So if you're, if you're aiming big, there might actually be enough people worldwide, you know, who are interested in what you're doing. Having a niche in
2: itself is also a good idea because broad appeal is good, but when you have a niche, you have an automatically built-in audience, especially if you're addressing a subculture or uh, a topic or a hobby that a lot of people don't already Cover like with with podcasts or with blogs or what have you, because then you're you're providing that information that they can't necessarily
1: get elsewhere. Yeah, and don't, don't start another Oilers blog, although yeah. Adam, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be my competition. Be competition. But like, there's um, enough Oilers blogs. You're not going to make you know it's it's not a, a niche that's worth exploiting. Maybe I'll.
0: Although I, case, I, I would disagree with that because yeah. I think that uh, when we started Oilers Nation, it was it, it was. Um, because the stories from fans weren't being told in the way that we wanted to, with that sort of uh, stupid irreverence, like <laughs> like ridiculous over the top irreverence, and and we found very quickly we were able to build a massive audience, an audience so large in fact that the Edmonton Journal now sells advertising on our behalf because it's worth the money for them. Um, but don't you
1: think that's? But don't you think that niche is filled now? Like, wasn't that probably? It was I, I don't
0: doing? think that anyone could come in now. I mean, they'd have to do something. Amazing, and, and we've got we've got jur- working journalists that write for the site. They do radio shows. They do all kinds of stuff, and so um, so it's probably a little too late to fill that niche. But at the same time, like I'm I'm particularly fond of the horror subculture of zombies. I love. I think it's so fascinating. You would be astonished how sticky fans of that subgenre are. They, <laughs> that was gross. Um, but how how obsessed they are with that subculture, and they will they'll consume it at a rate that's faster and more enthusiastic than the general population. So it's going to depend on what you want to do. Um, I, I don't think it's dangerous to go down that road if you still want to be a working journalist, but I would think about whether or not it makes sense to keep those two worlds separate. Like if you want to have a blog about if I wanted to have a blog about zombies, that would be very much a side of my regular duties at Calder Bateman. As a digital strategist, the two worlds would probably never collide, does that help? Does that yeah, answer your question? You're extremely vulgar on your private Clear it with your boss.
2: Um, that's the best way yeah. I can say it. like i I censor myself more on the podcast than Adam does because Adam has leave to be as wacky and vulgar as he wants. And I kind of rein myself in a little bit because. I don't want my bosses to fire me because of my podcast.
0: But so there are there are some topics I can't discuss because there are issues in the community that my company works on. Because we're a public relations agency as well, so I don't have an opinion on certain things because I can't.
2: And I also don't have an opinion on certain things because I can't.
0: We so. we interviewed um, uh, two gentlemen who run a blog called thecharrette.ca. It's an urban planning blog, and one of them is an engineer. The other one's a working journalist. When we started talking about, I can't remember what, it was the downtown airport. He recused himself from the discussion. He covers it, he can't talk about it yeah. because of the perception people might have about it. So be vulgar if you can, but definitely also be upfront with your employer about what you're doing because they just might not be very comfortable with it.
1: Yeah, you probably just don't want them to like stumble on it one day and be like, what, he's got this alter ego, you know, it's uh... <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: That already exists, doesn't it? <laughs>
3: No,
0: that's
1: what I'm asking. <laughs> awesome. Any other questions for uh, for Adam and Scott? Katrine. Yeah.
0: Uh yes, I think they could. Um I don't think anyone does gonzo journalism quite as well as Hunter S. Thompson does, for example. But having said that, I think there's an appetite for for your personality and stories and that's why I think we talked about this with your first-year class. That's why guys like John Stewart and Stephen Colbert are so successful, not because and they're To a certain extent, I'll say it, Glenn Beck.
2: Yeah, same thing.
0: I mean, they're inserting their own opinions and personalities into those stories and that's what the, uh, their audience wants. They they want to know what they think about it. They don't just want to know that some of the news stories of the day are ridiculous. They want to know why.
2: That's not to say that there's not a place for objective
1: journalism,
0: just that there's there's a place for objective journalism
2: and there is a place for subjective journalism.
1: <laughs> I, I would just wade in carefully, you know, just... Uh, Depending on the story there's there's and what you're covering, there's room in some stories to insert yourself a little bit more and to have your personality come through in the story and the way it's told. And then there's some stories that require a lot more Uh, objective approach, you know, there's only so many ways to write about a crime scene for example, you know, nobody really cares what your experience there is, it's like, what happened, how, you know, the five W's so it depends on the story, I think, but if you it also gets down to how you present yourself to the world, do I present myself as a serious journalist, the kind of uh, serious journalist, or do I present myself as, hey, uh, wacky take on the new, or, uh, you know, a different way of covering things, or, I don't know, there are lots of different ways to approach this, so it sort of depends how you want to be seen, by the World. If you want to be seen as wacky or vulgar or whatever, then maybe that's what you're going for. But be sure you do that on purpose. Those are actually
0: the two words I used to describe myself: wacky and vulgar. I'm wacky and vulgar. (laughs) But you know, Scott and I have a talk show. It's not we're not covering hard news. It's it's a conversation. So so naturally, I suppose because of the format, our our personalities are going to come through a little bit more than they would if we were writing for the West Edmonton local blog or or for i news website
2: well and and that's the difference between me on the radio on inews and me doing the podcast is here I'm having a conversation with you guys and on inews, I am telling the news to whoever happens to be listening. My mom, I assume is listening and that's about it. so uh, so I'm telling my mom the news on inews and there's there's a different delivery. there's a different tone, there's a different and you you don't really get my personality when I'm delivering the news as opposed to when I'm chatting with someone who happens to be a newsmaker.
0: But you do get to hear his fabulous radio voice. Yes, you do. <laughs>
1: so smooth. Uh, <laughs> questions? Any other
3: questions? Yeah. Trevor. One thing I noticed especially in sports is the guys that you interview, you don't know where they're going to wind up. Like, if you're interviewing a coach that is coaching
0: It was a big uh, so the question is, w- do we like interviewing big deals or soon to be big deals? Both. Um, I'd say both. Yeah, absolutely. We like when we interviewed the mayor. That was very exciting. Yes. For me, you know, I mean, I've worked with him because of work, but that was something different. This was like almost. We talk about how this is a vanity project. It was almost like we've arrived. Like we, we were, we've been able to do this. But I mean, if if. Um, we had the opportunity to interview the oilers first round draft pick from the the draft that's coming up in July damn right we do it like this guy probably is going to be well he's playing for the oilers he might not be a big deal but oh, oh. oh i'm just <laughs> kidding i'm a fan but uh, but yeah i mean at the end of the day it's not for me it's not so much the personality I mean, we could get a virtual if you want to say nobody into the show we'll, we'll get those kinds of people i mean you know is anyone really excited about entomology Right. Sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> Archie. Right? Not a lot of people are. We had an entomologist on our show like six episodes into our first season and it was such an interesting interview. He was so enthusiastic about insects and he was excited to tell us the difference between arachnids and insects and it made for, you know, one of the most in- interesting interviews I've ever been through.
2: Yeah, So, and you can end up in a surprising interview just by being like, you know a lot about something neat Let's talk about it, and it can be incredibly boring, or it could be incredibly exciting. And you, you're not going to know until you start talking to them.
0: My my approach is always everyone, no matter the way they talk, if it's really monotone or if you know, no matter what's happened to them, everyone has a story to tell. And if you're a gifted journalist um, and a solid interview viewer, and the only way to do this well is to practice, practice, it is practice. A learned skill. Uh, you'll find that interesting story even if they're just some, some random person from off the street. Chelsea, I who I know through Twitter. <laughs> by the way, this is a question. Why audio, why podcast? Like you both worked in print together and well, I guess you're I mean, what was it about making a podcast? Um I for me it was I've done the writing thing. And it's it, to to write really well and craft a really excellent story takes time and patience, and I have, I don't have either of those. No, things. he doesn't. He really doesn't. And and to me, I mean, I'd listened to podcasts for a few years before we started, and th- found some that were great, some that were terrible, and it was just it just seemed like such an interesting medium. And at the time that we launched, podcasting was big at the beginning of like the year two thousand, and then it sort of dipped. It's starting to come back. Because I think people realize that the audio format, there's still something there. Well, not only that,
2: um, there's more, I'm going to say, high-profile podcasts now. There are more uh, news organizations and celebrities that are beginning to cotton on that there's there's a different way to reach out to their fans and to their viewers and to their listeners and to their readers uh, through the Internet. And so that's why we're kind of in a second podcast boom. So... We kind of got in at the right
1: time, actually. I think we did, yeah. Yeah. Because of the conversational nature of podcasts, you can really present a little more of your personality to... Viewers. One of the podcasts I listen to is uh, Bill Simmons on ESPN does a podcast, and he's a great writer. He's a very, and he puts his, himself very front and center in his writing. But the podcast really from, seems to be just him and his like celebrity friends, sort of, or friends involved in the entertainment industry. And they just talk, but it really gives another dimension to his personality and his writing. And he's become as much of a podcast star as a writer now, I think. So it, 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 it's, it's a nice compliment sometimes to writing as well. Uh, and not everyone has a face for uh, for television. No, either. hey, I'm looking at myself. Actually, <laughs> not you guys.
2: Uh, so yeah, we um, we actually when we when we were both at the Gateway, I was just a staff writer, and Adam was actually the editor in chief, and we maybe said eight words to one another maybe in that time um, because he was very busy actually planning uh, a conference that year, and I was uh, a little peon one of the faces in the crowd. Um, many years later through Twitter, we hooked back up at a tweet up actually and were chatting about the good old Gateway days. And then I can't recall if you mentioned it or if I mentioned it. I think it was you, uh, Adam mentioned, he wanted, he was interested in doing a podcast and I had also been thinking about it at the time. And I was like, I also am thinking about doing a podcast. And then we kind of ex- compared notes and he was like, well, I've got a really great idea, but I have no way to implement it whatsoever. And I was like, well, I'm currently looking for an idea, and I have a radio station where I can record it. So that kind of turned into a partnership, and that kind of turned into the show. So.
0: And you know, we, we, we don't mention them or thank them enough, but, but huge kudos to the, the, the higher ups at 630, Chet, and News because they allow us to use their studio. Um, and this podcast would not exist without them. Literally. So, so thank you, guys.
1: Well, unless, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there unless there are any other pressing questions from the crowd. Well, thank you guys very much for coming to our class today. Thanks for, Thanks for us. having us. Thanks for having us.
0: You've been listening to an Unknown Studios special, episode 46.5. Our guests, Archie McLean and the staff of WestEdmontonLocal.ca. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scotty Bourgeois, The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.